welcome. Um, this week, you're going to be listening to a conversation between myself, my beautiful co-host Jodie, who you've seen before, and a couple called Alex and Evie, and they are dream interpreters. Now, they've been interpreting dreams for over 16 years. And I know they're really good because I went to see them, because um, they were my friends anyway, um, with a dream that I had, uh, a reoccurring dream for a couple of decades. And I never, I, you know, when you just have it for so long, you just put it at the back of your mind, you think, oh, whatever, um, never going to know what it means. But they did. They interpreted it for me and it made such amazing sense that it actually did turn uh, a section of my life around. So I thought I'd invite them ask them some questions and they can share their amazing knowledge and experience with you. So guys, enjoy listening. So first question is, um, why do we dream? Is it our brain trying to tell us something? And is it true that everyone we see in our dreams are people that we've seen in real life, but maybe don't know them? Because um, a lot of people I've heard have said, uh, have said everyone they see in their dream, even if they don't recognise them, they're still someone that they've seen like on the street or in a shop, which I thought was quite interesting. Dream, well, everyone dreams. In fact, 97% of the world dreams. Oh. The 3%, the unaccounted for, and it's not an exact science, mainly don't dream because they have some kind of chemical issues they have had brain issues you know what i mean there's there's internal issues for them that prevent them that part of the brain from connecting with the front part of the brain so they can't dream but everybody else dreams whether they but like also, it or not also people who can't sleep for one reason or another or find it difficult to sleep and they don't go into that deep sleep where dream happens so yeah those people so dreams um in terms of the sleep period you just to, to let i mean you may know this already but we'll just rehearse it briefly is um you, when you lose you gradually lose consciousness say up here here you then go f usually fairly deeply into a deep sleep say uh, within an hour and a half or so um sometimes that's disturbed but eventually you normally get there now the from the point at which you go deepest sleep to the point at which you wake, which is normally four to five hours, that's called your rapid eye movement, your REM period of sleep. It's because your eyelids, eyelids will move to reflect what's going on in your head, even though your mouth may not be speaking. So that's that's how you can you can know someone's dreaming and how you can measure what's going on. Okay. So, so that REM period of sleep is when you most of your dreams occur. Wow. Uh, that's the first thing to say about uh, yeah. dreams themselves. What was the next question? Um, I, I've just asked a lot of people um, sort of about anything they know about dreams. Um, and a lot of people seem to know that um, people who you might not know, just people who you've like walked past in the street may pop up in your dream. Apparently it's like a sort of well-known fact, which I thought was quite crazy people you don't know can pop up in your mind yeah both past and present in fact mm. um Evie, you want to say anything about that? Wow. uh well the short answer is um people in dreams have fall into three categories of importance or significance firstly it can be the person so the dream isn't usually about somebody else 
but there may be connection with somebody else, which is almost symbolic. So, for example, if, if you had a relationship which has fallen apart, you may still want that relationship, but your partner doesn't want that relationship. You may then start to dream about that partner in different situations, which is your heart processing the emotions that are going through your head. So, so that person is real in the sense of you could, there's a connect, direct connection with conscious life. The second thing aspect of why people appear in dreams is because their name or their character is symbolic of something. It means something. So they really represent something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The third part of why people come into dream, your dreams, particularly people you know, is because they're actually working out a, a characteristic of you. So if there's something, if there's a, if there's somebody who you are like at that point, that person come into your dream and behave or do something, which is a part of your behaviour which you're processing internally. Wow. <laughs> so Alex, it doesn't matter then if you dream of somebody that's passed away. This, this well, has nothing to be. I don't know. Well, okay. If we move into the the, the deceased bit, what happens mm-hmm. is that. Because we dream and there's a, a loss, if someone around us or someone we know well is, dies or is in some way you're unable to connect with them, so it feels like they've died or you've died, something's died between you. What will happen is that, that this bereavement, this kind of grief really, is out working in your dream life as well as in your conscious life. Because dreams track reality. So dreams are your night parables so your your night journey whereas you you have a conscious journey and a, and a subconscious journey so dreams are your subconscious journey yeah so, but they're also your emotions acting you know in your sleep so your emotions uh maybe don't shut down it's a way of them expressing what's going on inside you and it uses what your brain knows, it, it uses like a network there to mm. express that in into a dream. So your dream, the dream essentially is, is your heart telling your head how it's feeling. So your head is processing all this information. You think, well, suppose if you watched, did you say you did a binge TV and you watched eight hours of, of movies or shows, whatever, okay, your brain will be busy processing eight hours of images, one after the other, probably millions of images. Okay? Now, the brain's got to do something with that. So what it will do is it will, it will put it where it can so that you don't get overloaded. On top of that comes all the emotions that come with the dream, conversations you've had, decisions you have to make, issues you've got with parents, whoever it might be, school, work, home, whatever. All of that generates emotions. So your, your dream is exploring the issue, the tension, the, not necessarily in a negative way, but it's exploring the facts or the images or the conversations. It's all going in there. It's got to go somewhere, and it ends mm. up coming out in your dreams. Okay. Should so to go back to the bereavement bit, which is where we started, mm. if, if you've lost someone or you can't connect with someone who is important to you, your heart is telling your head how much you miss them. Mm-hmm. So it wants to recreate that person in whatever shape or form. 
So the more real the, the, the person who's gone, if you like, or not there, is to you emotionally, the more intense is your dream, the more emotional is your dream, the more real is your dream, almost to the point where you can actually see them physically. Well, another question I've got is, how can we use our dreams to help us work through our anxiety? If that's possible. <laughs> yeah, well, dreams have different levels as well. and um, Layers of meaning. Layers of yeah. meaning. So, um, and there are so many different dreams that are, some of the dreams, how many different dreams are there? Common dreams. There are There's probably 10 common dreams, like common themes, like, like dying, being separated from something, um, being chased. Uh, Falling. Yeah, flying, um, fighting and winning. You know, there's, there's the common ones. Yeah, um, and running. Um, right. Losing things and finding things, but more losing things. Many of them are anxiety. They are anxiety dreams. So, and the reason why they're anxiety dreams or tend to be is because most of the time we don't worry about being happy. We, we worry mm. we can't be happy and there's a reason why we can't be happy. You know, we tend to pick up on the negative emotions, stuff that causes us pain or discomfort or insecurity or doubt. Those are the things that, that come up because that's what most people seem to be dreaming about, certainly in this country. So it tends to be you're chewing over in your dream life what's going on in your conscious life. So if, you, if you've had a huge argument with your best friend, your, your head may rationalise it. Okay, we agree to differ. I'm not going to talk to you for three weeks. Your heart says, you really want that to happen? Well, your heart's not happy because of a loss of something which is important to you. So, the, so in your dream life, you might find two or three dreams that come up, which are quite emotionally intense, where your heart is telling your head how it's feeling about a decision that you've made in your head. You follow? So the answer to your question is, they do speak because they will reflect what's going on. They will help you to put into perspective. And the more emotional they are, sometimes you wake up in a sweat or tears or you're crying, whatever it might be, that will tell you the, the significance of the issue to you. If you can barely remember it, just a vague one-liner, you think, okay, yep, I passed through. It didn't get stuck emotionally. Your, your, your dream's able to process, your brain was processing that, okay, yep, I've got to live with that. So the second thing to say about that is you get recurring dreams, which are dreams that are repeated mm. until you have somehow resolved the situation and they will keep coming. They might be every five years or oh. every two days. So this will be where a dream interpreter would be a good idea. Um, and um, we do get re reoccurring dreams from people who have had some sort of um, situation going back in their past a long way and they've suppressed it mm. they've pushed it down and like their memory of it has faded but their heart hasn't forgotten somehow the heart mm. is 
connected to the conscience and things may not be happy and for years you can continue to suppress that but maybe one day something happens triggers that and it will trigger a dream and it's so the dream is about recognizing that whatever happened left you unhappy um that needs to be resolved Mm. yeah so a recurring dream is always telling you that it's something which is unresolved. And interesting enough, one last point on recurring dreams is that it will be unfinished in the dream in the dream itself, what you call the narrative of the dream. It will be unfinished. It will be ongoing. And the reason it's ongoing is because the issue is ongoing. Yes, that, that makes sense because I had a recurring dream when I was a child. I still don't know. I'm not sure what um, the problem was, but... Um, it's like I was flying across this. I had a cream blanket as a child and it's like I was zooming across the surface of it and there was like this this like death star at the, at the end of the blanket and I was and I never got to it. I'm not sure what that meant, but um I never got to the death star at the end of the blanket, so that would make sense if um if the narrative of that never ends if the issue hadn't ended. Although in saying that I haven't had the dream in a while, so well sometimes you don't get a you don't get anyone or anything in your dream life that says, Oh now we've dealt with that. You just you, the dream just stops. Yeah. Can I ask something about the blanket? Um yeah. was it like a comfort blanket? Was it like one of those <laughs> that you go to sleep with? Yeah, it might have been. It, um I used to do brownies, so it had all my brownie badges on it. Um so. <laughs> It was might quite... be something that took you out of your comfort zone mm. uh, and left you in a very challenging sort of situation. For me, it's all about, um, it, I've got the word security blanket. The, mm. the blanket's quite big, in my thinking, and you don't want to get to the end of it. Quite possibly. <laughs> Yeah. So you don't. You choose not to because mm. you can't deal with what you think is at the end of it. So you never actually get there. So that's why it's a recurring dream because Ooh. it can't be finished. My wife was. The fact you don't get that dream now means that the issue is resolved because the dream is gone. So your dreams are there to help you. That's what you're saying, that your heart's telling your head and you're processing stuff. Why does it do it in such a... A complicated way why can't it just tell you in a really like this is happening this is what you need to do and because of this why does it go metaphorical and like okay. not straightforward well the reason is actually quite simple emotions don't have a language of their own because they're oh. internal so it's a bit like piggybacking it's got to find a language to um explain what it's, how it's feeling. So it borrows your cognitive process language, which is the cerebral, the part, the front part of your brain, it borrows your language grid. So that explains, for example, when you, when you wake up, you think you've just had a dream. Mm-hmm. Now that dream could have happened five hours ago. But the actual processing shifts from the back of the head to the front of the head at the point at which you wake. Mm-hmm. It's got to go somewhere. 
imagine trying to grasp water with your hands or oil with your hands. You can't, you can't do it. Mm. That's like the emotion. The emotion is the oil or the water. So it's got to go through a grid, which then is able to separate it out and make sense. So your brain does something quite supernatural. It makes sense. It mm. puts it puts words and phrases and adjectives and language, if you like, on something which doesn't have a language of its own. It just feels. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. Which is why you say things like in human language, I don't, this doesn't feel right. Mm. You can't actually academically question it. You can't scientifically identify what you mean by that, but you know it. You know something doesn't feel right. It's not to do with feeling in the in this common sense that we understand the word feeling. But it's something inside of you which you know is out of joint or not fitting or not meshing, whatever the word is. You just, you just know it's not right. Dreams are dealing with that kind of language. They're trying, they're trying to give you an emotional concept that's going on in your heart, which is, a, is the emotional center, if you like, of the body. Mm. The only way it can communicate with you in your sleep mode is when you wake is to deliver it to the letterbox in the front of your brain with your cognitive responses which includes mm. language so i'm just wondering right so if we're more in touch with our emotions will that help us to make sense of our dreams quicker like and if you don't really if you just ignore your emotions does it make it harder for you to understand mm. your dreams i think so mm. yeah i think that my, my observation is that people that we've interpreted dreams for the people who who struggle most with their dreams are those who struggle often with metaphorical language or symbolic language. Um, I will call you know s- stuff that's if if they think vertically, <laughs> rationally, often they will struggle with thinking laterally. Okay. Because dream language is basically on the far end of lateral thinking. So if you can embrace lateral thinking, you are more likely to have a go at interpreting mm. your dreams because it's metaphorical language start to finish. So if you're more creative, then you will be able to understand it a little bit better. Is that what you're saying? Generally, that's been the case. Okay, thank you. Go, Jodie. Um, someone has asked whether it's like important if we should write down our dreams, like in a diary, if that would be a good idea. I, I think if you dream regularly, yes, probably. Or if not, I mean, it just depends on how much you really want to find out about what your dreams mean. Mm. So it's a really good idea to do that. Um, and you might find that in some dreams, you do get different type of dreams, but they all seem to come back to the same theme and um, so in your dreams, there are themes as well, um, which, you know, if you're not taking any notice of that one, then another one will come along and mm. maybe very similar theme and so on. So you can have three dreams maybe sometimes in one night and they're all saying something different but all coming back to the same thing. Okay. Yeah, different dreams. Yeah, I'll pick up on that too because you know, um, if you think about the kingdom parables 
for for lost parables, you know, the sun, the pearl, sheep. There's four of them in, in scripture, Jesus telling. They're all saying the same thing. So why does he give you four contexts for the same principle of truth? Because it's, he wants to ex, he wants to accentuate its its profoundness, mm. its its the, the immediacy of it, but also the principle of it. Mm. So your dream language will do the same. So if you're not listening to your dreams, it will give you the same message again in another form. Mm. Okay. Using another set of examples, another context, different person, different scenario, different context, until it's communicated with you that you need to think mm. about this. Wow. <laughs> so if you, if you are somebody, okay, it's nice to say, oh, you have dreams, we don't remember them. Is there a way of prompting our hearts or minds or something to remember them you know what if you really want to remember them if you want to you know have a journal or something you can fool the brain to some extent because this is a this is not as exact science so some people will will say well i don't have regular dreams but when i do i have they're like they're lucid i'm all over the place you know other okay what's a lucid dream Sorry. a lucid dream is where you are a lot more of your brain is awake okay so your cognizant responses are there. You can see, you can you can actually be involved in the dream. I've got a friend of mine who used to be, who used to have battles. So he'd at the end of his bed and he and there'd be a stage built. Sometimes there'd be a telly screen and he'd be watching a drama. Sometimes he'd be on watching a stage and sometimes he'd be on the stage and he had to pick up a weapon and defend something. You know, all of this is going on. That seems to be a fantasy, and uh, it's really strange. But but the point is that the, at the bottom end of that spectrum, people say, oh, "Well, I don't remember my dreams." Mm. And what happens is, the more that you talk about not remembering your dreams, something seems to trigger in your brain to want to remember them. Almost like, "Well, how come they can remember their dreams and I can't?" So psychologically, there can be a trip switch. Mm. So you can encourage that by saying, "All right, have next to your bed." A, a, a journal, notebook, whatever, or your phone. Yeah. And as soon as you wake up, think, okay, ask your uh, ask yourself, okay, self, okay, brain, okay, heart, did I get anything last night? And then you just, you might just get one word or one sentence. Mm -hmm. And you start there and you date it and then you, uh, maybe if it's a dream, you just give it a name or a title and you begin to store what you get. Hmm. I'm going to try that. Yeah, I might do too. <laughs> Someone's asked, what if a relative who's passed away pops up in our dream? In fact, we've sort of answered it, but maybe there's a little bit more we can say about it. Well, it, it, just to re to recircle on, on a relative, this is really important because everyone at some point in their life suffers mm -hmm. a bereavement and there's a grief that goes with that. Now, Depending on the emotional impact of that relative, that will determine the type of dream that you have and the emotional intensity of the dream. So if it's your grandma, you absolutely love her to bit. She brought you up, you know, she'd give you treats, she'd be the one you could run to when you can go with your parents. Whatever, whatever it is, she'll be very high on your list of favourites on this earth. Well, when she dies, she doesn't cease to be that person for your heart. Oh. Your head says she's gone. Your heart says no, she hasn't, mm. because your heart is dealing at the emotional level of the connection with your grandma. Mm. 
not the cognizant relationship, but your brain says, I've got to deal with this, I've got to close it, I've got to move on. The heart says, well, actually, I don't really want to move on. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And so it is about when someone goes, it is about your heart being healed over time. Yeah. I think what happens, the last thing to say about that is that if it goes on too long, in other words, if your heart is ruling your head, it's what ha- that's what happens when people cannot get out of their grief cycle. They won't, they, they won't move through. So rationally, their head says, you need to move on. The heart says, why? Okay. So I've got another one which says, what do I do if a parent doesn't believe my dream or can't help me with my dream? This is quite common. Mm. Um, Even if parents, I'm not pitting parents on this, but even if parents have dreams themselves, they, in this culture, they would tend to manage them, say, well, you know, it's all, ranges from words like, the dream is a toilet of the mind, just processing all the crap from the day. And I hear that quite a lot. To, well, they're so subjective, they're personal, they don't mean anything outside of your space. And anyway, it's all random and you were asleep when you had it. So it doesn't mean it can't make any sense because you just deal with rubbish. So you're up against a kind of rationale which is uninformed and unwilling to even look at what the dream might be saying. Now, ironically, it is often about those parents that the dream has been prompted. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's even possible that this has happened actually in the past where the, the young person has a dream about a parent and the parent's attitude to them because they're emotionally processing all of that. It can't go anywhere because mm-hmm. it can't be dealt with. So, yeah. of course... Then you're back into your recurring thing again. The heart's not happy. It'll just keep kicking up situations where it's saying, you need to deal with this. And your head is saying, I can't because, because, because. Mm. Is that helpful? So what yeah. if you've got a parent if, um, who actually does want to help and their child is having uh, nightmares or night terrors or whatever they're called? How can they, you know, like, if they don't really understand it, what can they do? Well, there's night terrors and there's night mares and they are different night terrors are common to young people like for example jody how old were you when you had the blanket dream um probably six or seven yeah see that that's why i thought blanket of security that between the ages of one and 12 i suppose you would have you tend to have dreams that are dealing with anxieties over security affirmation being loved or needing love and not getting it. Uh, security is a big thing. Emotional security is one of the biggest things. So so those are quite common. We would call those uh, night terrors because they're often, they often feel like nightmares, but they're not actually nightmares. They're just the normal processing of the heart to the head mm. saying, I need something I'm not getting. Help me. Mm. Nightmares are often driven by dark forces, not forces of light. Okay. I'm not saying they all are, and that sometimes you need discernment when you're interpreting these. But there is a there is a spiritual universe out there, a parallel to our human universe, 
and um, and sometimes stuff does translate over and you will tap in particularly if you've been watching stuff which is dark in content in, in content that can open a window and then you can have stuff which is really not helpful and it's quite hard to get rid of it's about having a stain that's hard to actually scrub out because you've opened mm. something you've opened emotionally you've opened yourself to it through your brain and it's actually needing to be sorted out but the point about that is that you you won't you're not going to get an answer to every dream and interpretation to every dream i mean that it is there but sometimes if you've had 50 dreams, it, it might take you a while to, to mm. understand. So the quantity of dreams isn't the point necessarily. The point is what's the theme? <laughs> so when you're listening to people who have dreams, which are in this context that you're saying, you need to listen to other dreams that they've had and say, okay, what, what's actually going on here? What is, what is the person trying to say to themselves through the dream? And you can become quite good at that. You don't need to be a, a, a master interpreter to pick up the same theme. Usually it's fear. It's driven by fear. So you think, oh, there's a fear theme here. It's an anxiety that's bordering on fear. And if you look at it, there's an escalation of that over the dreams. And it's becoming more and more emotionally uh, conflicting or emotionally intense. It's the same pattern but it's increasing in its emotional content. It might get more and more bizarre simply because it isn't being addressed or the person isn't being believed or they can't go anywhere with it. So if it's a fear and insecurity, then constant reassurance and constant different ways of trying to help your child feel that they are loved and, and okay, helping them to feel more secure. I think that the what you have to look at every, every dream from a dream interpretation point of view, every dream we look at, whether it's live or written, whatever, we think, okay, where's the dream going? What can the person do with the interpretation? What does their heart want to do with it, if you like? What is their heart telling their head they actually need? So so we're always thinking, what's the redemptive what redemptive? What's the restoring mm. nature of this? What is it what is it? What, it, what can we give them in response to them telling us the dream that's giving, giving them some reassurance? What is it? How can we best help them in moving through their dreams and through a time when they may be having quite a number of dreams on a similar theme? So what you're looking at, which is where your discernment or your perception comes in, is what's actually going on and how can we best address it Thank you. Um, another question I've got is, um, I think, um, can a dream be so scary that I could die in my sleep? That's quite... Um, yeah. You know, when it feels so real, yeah. The emotional intensity, of course, is what makes you feel that you are engaged in it. So. If, if, you have, if you have a series of situations or dreams where you can't get any release or relief, there's no way out. It's a kind of a cul-de-sac. So if you imagine a cul-de-sac in real life, 
you, if you cycle or drive or they walk, you come to a point where it's just a circle at the end. It might be quite a long cul-de-sac. If it's a cul-de-sac, by definition, there's no way out. So you go around and around and around and around. So everybody, everybody in their lives comes to a cul-de-sac at some point over some things that we all do as human nature. So in this situation you're talking about, I can imagine how kids can actually just go round and round the same circuit and not find a way out. But they can't go back the way they came in. That's not an option. Mm-hmm. So that's your heart telling your head, I'm going round in circles. Okay. So that's why you get, or one of the reasons why you get this generation of this paranoia that says, I can't get out. I'm feeling trapped. Yeah. So a lot of young people feel they feel trapped. Yeah, exactly right. I'm not, I'm not sure how positive that response is. <laughs> no, no. Just, just, yeah. We're dealing with how dreams operate in terms mm. of being quite faithful, actually. Dreams don't lie most of the time. They will tell you how they're feeling, whether you like it or not. So if it's telling you you're just going around your circles, John, that's because you probably are. The question mm. then is some of the things that you guys can put in will help them to find a route and it's unlikely that you can deal with all the issues that come Mm. up in in your time um, with them because you're not in a position to be able to make those things go away Mm. so you it's important as a dream interpreter or a counsellor or coming alongside befriending people whatever your role is that you don't promise to be able to say what well, is going to be fine mm. or i can sort this out for you leave it to me because actually you probably can't if people are in this cul-de-sac situation mm-hmm. is to say look i'm not sure i can solve this problem for you but i can at least to some extent walk through it with you Yes, yeah, be there. Mm-hmm. So comfort is important, reassurance is important, affirmation is important. Looking at good stuff is going to be a lot, only the bad stuff. In other words, mm-hmm. the amount of time you spend on the bad stuff, discussing the bad stuff, will always grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if, you, if, you dis, if you encourage people, encouragement grows. If you discourage people, discouragement grows. Yeah, yeah. I think we, with children, we have to recognise as well that a lot of what's going on inside of them is coming from their environment and their immediate family environment. Um, so there are things that parents can do by recognising what's actually going on that will affect the child emotionally and create nightmares or whatever Mm. Uh, because children generally feel the the, this fear thing the whole fear thing when life seems to go out of control what they know their stability seems to go you know sideways and they start to react in an emotional way Mm. so one way could be that the parents can look at what's actually going on in their own family relationship thing that the child is seeing that may be causing that child distress Mm. and 
a number of other, you know, ailments are triggered off then, you know, unable to sleep, things like that, because they're stressed. The whole stress thing can have a lot of different effects as well on a child's health. So they can take it back to what's going on in the environment, in the immediate environment. Maybe do something, start there. Yeah, I know a lot of parents have tried to protect their children from feeling the uncertainty of 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 covid and but the longer school is shut for the harder that is to for them to have any sense of normality and things are of you know uh, yeah so it's it's hard for parents at the moment i think i think covid has has tested everybody mm. and to their limits the way it's tested many people is it started by curtailing freedom it then gave us a big message of fear. Nobody is safe. Mm -hmm. And I think they, if they know relatives who have died or in hospital or struggling with it and they can't see them, they can't, you know, your grandma dies, you can't get to the funeral. I mean, there's, there's trauma. Mm, that's it. All, all, all over the place. So we're living traumatically. Now, it's not surprising your dream life is going to reflect the trauma. Mm. What else can it do with it? Where can it go? You're in the cul-de-sac of trauma. So um, it's important to help people, almost like a counselling principle, mm. you say, do you know what, what occurs to me is you, you're living out trauma. Mm. This is exactly what's happening. You are living out mm. emotionally how you are feeling about all the stuff that you have no control over. Many of our dreams worldwide are about lack of control mm -hmm. and the trauma that's attached to that as a standard. So you could say you are in common with many millions of people mm -hmm. in this country who are all going through the same mm -hmm. internal lockdown. Mm -hmm. And the heart doesn't stop feeling because it's the heart can't do what the head does and rationalize say, Well, I can't go out, I can't do that, I can't do this. Yes, the, heart the heart says, Well, hang on, what's the problem? So it then starts, oh well, that's the problem. So it's responding to the problem emotionally. In the same way that people explode verbally or physically violently, or kick a door or kick the dog or run away or have a rave you know in a disused barn whatever it is it's a way of actually wanting to escape even for a short period of time from this internal lockdown so dreams it is likely in the last year that more people have more dreams which are reflecting the trauma of the situation and the longer it goes on the more those dreams are likely to increase okay thank you do you want to add anything, Jodie, before I turn the conversation to something completely different now? No, it's good. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, it's, it's hard times. Um, the different question. So the question of like deja vu, you know, when you feel like I've been there, I've dreamt that, haven't I done that already? You know, what, where does that come from? It's, sometimes it really has happened. Oh, okay. And you're seeing it before it's happened. Okay. I think what, there's a number of things to say. Very briefly, because it's a big subject. Um, 
it's it, dreaming. Dreaming is a phenomenon, but it's only one of the sensitivities or sensibilities that we have. We have to to see into the future or to imagine the future or to almost arrange things that somehow turn out to be, oh, gosh, I dreamt that. So you can walk into a room and think, I know, I know this room. I've been here before. Well, you've been, you've been there in a, in a, another time, an, a dream or uh, somewhere else, and you've constructed this, and, and there it is. And there are people on the spiritual circuit who make money out of this kind of stuff. But we all have this ability to project something by arranging all the elements of it together in one place in a particular order, and then the scenario is created, almost like a virtual room. Okay. You know, if you when you go and get a new kitchen, uh, if you have a new kitchen, you've had someone design it, you go at the home base or bricks, and they sit you down off the big screen, and they start something trying to say, well, how do you like the cooker? Okay, in comes the cooker, in comes the flooring, in comes the lighting, in comes, and you see the different lights and different colours, different fabrics, and they create a room for you. Now, that happened, that can happen in your head. Ooh. You also have what's called the power of imagination. Yes. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci, for example, dreamed about a helicopter Ooh. several hundred years before such an item was ever flying. So, so there are, the imagination is a powerful tool which seems to connect everything across the board it's a bit like a bit like all the strands of something coming together in, in layers so imagination will bridge everything from something you're okay. passionate about and want to see mm. to you actually imagining it and then it can become real in your dream so it's quite a complex process and, and we all do it and mm. um, those of us who believe in the power of our imagination and work with it tend to be able to see more and do more artists and designers and engineers and visionary people are are on the end of the spectrum that will be able to imagine something and see it i'm a decorator someone says oh, i'd like to use this color in this room i can see that color on that wall not in real life, but in my mind, I can see, I can imagine that wall painted in that colour. And I will then say, actually, I think that is great. I think we need to think about this because in the wintertime, we've got five months of, you know, whatever it might be. But I can use that as a skill I've developed mm. by working in the industry for 25 years, working with colour. Mm. So there again, imagination is, is, is growing, it's feeding on your experience. Mm. And I think young people have got the best imagination going some of them they're just so their imaginations are just a lot more unlimited than yeah so, so i would never despise imagination what i would no, say me neither. people who have what we would call vivid imaginations are usually people who are actually quite emotionally sensitive okay and they will struggle with what they see mm. when things aren't going well for them so that connects into the dream life. Mm. So emotionally sensitive people will often have intense emotional dreams, emotional intensity dreams, when they're going through trauma. Mm. 
I can. That's making sense to me now. I can. I, I've seen that. Yeah, I'm learning. Young people. <laughs> Sorry, JD. I just said I'm learning a lot. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So thank you. Do you have any other questions, Jade? I think uh, there's only one more, which was how long have people been studying dreams for? Thousands of years, literally thousands, um, probably something like five to six thousand years. Wow. Certainly, you see them in the Bible. There are 20, how many? Yeah, I was going to say, how many are in the there Bible? There are over 20, about 22, 23 dreams in the Bible from really? over the whole Bible. Uh, most of them occur in the Old Testament, but not by any means all. Um, and visions, of course, go alongside dreams. We haven't talked about visions. But we have this ability to see in a vision that is something which is outside of ourselves, which is shown to us inside, which can affect the heart. So that, that's, but, but when we say, well, I have a vision of something, usually what we mean is, I can see it in my mind. That's your imagination. To be able to say, I can see it in my mind, is you expressing the faculty of imagination. Mm. So you could imagine, I could say to you, what's your kitchen look like? You can then think kitchen, and then you can cognizantly tell me what your kitchen's like. You could do me a virtual tour, couldn't you, of your kitchen, if you know it. But you also committed it to mind up here, you've restored it up, and you can recall it at will. So that's your imagination and your experience, whether it be emotional, practical, intellectual, they all work together to give you a picture of something. So to your original question, studying dreams is, has been taken very seriously in almost every country that isn't Western Europe. All the major world religions except Christianity, sadly, okay. um, although that's no longer the case, have embraced dreams as part of their means of guidance, of spiritual mm -hmm. guidance. So... It, it's written in to the, to the kind of code, cultural code of most countries. Mm. So some will, some will embrace, I mean, I've, I've got people I know from Iran, Iraq, and southern India. And they, when they have a dream, they write it down. They take notice. Mm. They're there. They're thinking, okay. It's what does, they don't say... Oh, it's just a dream. They say, well, what does this mean? They ask that question. If I have this dream, I have this dream for a reason. So they're, they're more likely to embrace it as and believe in it as having a meaning. Mm. Most mm. of the time in Western Europe, we just regard it as a toilet of the mind. So that sounds like a good challenge for us to take our dreams more seriously and to just try and write down, I like it. You just said one word. It doesn't have to be like a whole story and um, lovely, beautiful, joined the paragraphs. Just one word or... A sentence is so a good. A sentence, yeah. It's like, it's like saying, what did I feel about this dream? Mm. What do I think this dream is saying? Have I had this dream before? Okay. Simple things. Three amazing questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as you, if you keep a note, it can be a phone note or it can be a written note. Written notes are good because you can turn the pages and go back. And you can see, you can track your dreams over three months, six months, and just say, oh, it's interesting, have that dream. Same theme coming back up. Or different theme, new people, different issue. Mm. Or interestingly, same theme, different context. 
Mm-hmm. And also can help you with your own self-awareness, can't it? So there's... Helps you. Dreams will help you to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you guys for your time. That has been absolutely amazing. And thank you to my beautiful co-host, Jodie. I couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> well done, Joe. Hi guys! I hope you enjoyed watching, listening and learning. We now know that dreams are the language of our heart and they're trying to help us move forward with things that we're facing in our life as well as process all the daily stuff. So who's going to take up the challenge? Who's going to answer the simple questions of how does a dream make me feel? I wrote them down. Um, What do you think the dream is saying? And have I had this dream before? So yeah, let's keep a journal. Let's learn about what our dreams are trying to tell us. And yeah, let's enjoy our dream life a little bit more. So have a good week, guys. Bye.